Hello, I'm Somi Aryan. I'm the founder of the Think Tank for Women in Business and Technology and the FemPeak platform, with the mission of raising women's socioeconomic status. Our guest on today's podcast is Sue Nelson, an award-winning businesswoman, author, speaker, and a renowned expert in using innovation to accelerate hyper-profitability. She was recently named as one of the top 20 global food and agriculture thought leaders, and she has built and sold a highly profitable multi-million pound business to EY in 2020. She has appeared as a guest on CNN, Sky News, Radio 5 Live, and BBC Breakfast, to name a few. What's even more fascinating about her success is that she started building her business and then sold it all in her 50s. This should be a real inspiration for those of us who may think it's already too late by the time that we get to our 30s and 40s and 50s and beyond. With that in mind, I invite you to enjoy this inspiring conversation with Sue Nelson. Hi, Sue. Hey, how are you doing, <laughs> you Okay. I'm doing really well, thank you. Good. You always look very glamorous. How do you manage that? Oh, really? I am actually wearing my tracksuit. And, <laughs> you know, the trick is lighting. It's just good lighting. <laughs> it's very good lighting. And the reason why I wanted to talk to you, Sue, was that when you were on the panel uh, at our event, you said some things that really resonated with people, how you build your business, leadership, and rallying people to, to get them to you know buy into your cause, right? Yeah. So um, I thought, because there are a lot of people on our platform who are thinking about building their own business, but also there are a lot of people who are working in companies, they're entrepreneurs, and they want to um, learn more about leadership skills. So I thought we talk a little bit about building a business the entrepreneurship side of it and then also some of the leadership skills that you clearly uh, have and had uh, to build that uh, you know to, to build your um, business to the point that you did so do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about your journey like how you built a business how you sold it and I guess one of the main questions I had was that did you build the business with the intention to sell it how did it start how did it come about so, so I um, so I've come to the end of my career. Um, I'm 60 this year, which is a bit of a shock to me. Um, and then about five or six years ago, um, I was in a very good job with lots of money, but I wasn't particularly happy. And I particularly wasn't very happy with the culture and the way businesses were being run. And I felt really strongly that a lot of people aren't allowed to flourish and and their true skills and all the things that they are amazing at don't seem to be able to come to the surface really and it did seem to me that if you could somebody once said if you could let the top off if you could let somebody top off so to speak you know it was like a bottle if suddenly and then they would just the effervescence would come out and they'd be able to you know build their confidence and be able to contribute so much and I've, I've always felt quite strongly about it and so I decided to put my money where my mouth is, I suppose. I, I decided I wanted to set up a company that would have all the things that I really believed in and see if it could work. Um, and I did set it up to sell it, because, but, but that's because of my age. And, and so I thought I could do it in three years, and I, I didn't. I did it in five years. So I set it up in 2015, and I sold it last year in 2020. That's fascinating. So... Um... So essentially, you started your career as an entrepreneur. I know that you had a long career before that, but as an entrepreneur, like you changed career and started business 
in your 50s, right? Yeah, I was 54. Wow. So that is so inspiring because, you know, the amount of people we get that say like, oh, I'm now 40 or I'm now, you know, 50. I know, right? Baby, it's a baby. I think the thing is, as well, I'd learned so much. I've made so many mistakes and and, um, somehow I just wanted to put some of those things that I'd learned into practice. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't want to bootstrap it. I think it's really hard to bootstrap. Yeah. I definitely didn't want to do that. Um, I I'd saved up some money for my pension and, and all sorts of other things. And I decided to allocate um, £300,000, which is a lot, lot of, of, of money, into it. And I just thought, well, if it doesn't work, I, I'm not going to go into debt over it. I'm not going to have an overdraft. I think women tend to be a bit more risk averse than men, I think, in general. Um, and I just thought, I'm going to bet. I'm going to bet that I can do it. I'm going to have a bet with myself. And then um, I just thought, well, if it all goes pear-shaped, I'll, um, I'll just have to go and work in London and earn the same salary for another five or six years and just have to replace it somehow. So um, in a way, I didn't really have anything to lose, I suppose, because my children had left home, they're married, you know, they're all sorted and, um, you know, and therefore get on with it. You've only got one life, so so why not do it? So, you know, I didn't have the pressure of trying to juggle and bring up children, which I had in my, obviously in my career, but so it meant I could really concentrate on it. And the reason for not bootstrapping it is I wanted to start it and I wanted to start it really properly. And I wanted to, to be able to afford to put in the processes and all the stuff that, that I felt we would need to be, you know, a decent business. We didn't have any clients. So it started from zero and then we got to two and a half million turnover in five years. But the story is never turnover. The mm-hmm. story was we made a million pound net profit, not gross profit, net profit in five years annually. And that's what makes you attractive um, to be bought. Yeah, amazing. That's fantastic. So um, obviously you brought a very important point there about your children having left home and you had that headspace essentially to be able to do that, right? And it's one of the things that we talk about in our platform and in our events. It's a big, big deal. uh, The question of can women have it all, right? So most women that I see succeed either they've done it the way that you've done it. So they've had kids um, and then the kids got to a point where they didn't need them as much. So they were able to do it or they first built a career and then they had children quite late um, or they just decided not to have children. And like in my case, I just decided I'm like for the level of ambition that I have, I just can't see how that's possible. You know, it, it, it's, um, it's also, I guess, like from where you come from, what kind of support you have, right? I came to the UK on my own uh, in 2005. Uh, I have no family in the UK. Um, came here as a student, paid for my own education. You know, it took me uh, 11 years to become a British citizen. So I couldn't start a business. I couldn't do many of the things that I'm doing now, right? So I always say my life didn't start until I was two, uh, until uh, 2015. Um, so I guess it's a question of like where you are in life, but that that's such a difficult decision to make. And um, what do you think about what is the what's the best way to do it? Is there a best way? No, there isn't a best way. No, everybody's got their own circumstances, and everybody's circumstances are unique. My personal opinion is you can't have it all. It's impossible. 
what happens is you just beat yourself up about it. So, you know, I've had a, um, you know, a, a quite intense career and basically you're juggling all these balls. I'm trying to be a wife and making sure that I'm a good wife. You know, I'm trying to make a home and making sure that everything's safe and secure. Uh, I'm trying to sew on the kids' name badges because I've got hockey tomorrow and I forgot to do it. Or I've got to make cakes for the something or other for school. And then, oh, God, I forgot to do the washing. So the kids haven't got any clean socks. And then it's, and it's just it's never ending. And what happens is you just drop the ball, you know, mm-hmm. occasionally. And you will. It's impossible not to. What is really important is you don't beat yourself up about it because you can't be everything to everybody. Um, and this this sort of media myth is just, just utter, utter rubbish. It's just, just yeah. total rubbish. Um, so you have to decide when it's right for you. You know, running an, a business could be absolutely right when you have young children because, you know, you, you might be able to fit it in better or, or whatever it is. And, and nobody should tell you that. You should just decide when it feels right to you. Also, I think that if you're starting a business and it doesn't work, then shut it down and, and do it five years later. It'll be fine. You'll have another idea. You don't have to always succeed first time. So, you know, women, give yourself a break. Yeah, 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 definitely. I agree. Um, I And I definitely agree with that concept of like not beating yourself up about not comparing yourself to anybody. You know, one of the, like, I know I can't multitask. You know, I cannot multitask to save my life. I can't, I, I can only do one thing at a time. And um, because I have ADHD as well, you know, it's just impossible for me to, I can only do one thing at a time. So there's no way I could ever do what you did. Like, you know, I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I, I take my hats off. You know? No, but that's fine. That suits you. But then, you know, right. It's about self-awareness, knowing it, right. I just know that I would not be able to have children, family build a business that I want to be. And then I had to, you know, at one point I, I had to make a decision. I was in a relationship and uh, I loved my uh, partner very much, but you know, the level of intensity of what was needed, uh, even though, uh, you know, he had his own children and wanted me to spend more time and, and I just couldn't do it. it. It it just wasn't possible. Right. So it's not fair. Uh, so then you have to make a decision. Um, and my passion is what I'm doing with, with what I'm building. I, I run two businesses. So in, in my case, I, I didn't have a job that gave me a lot of money. I had another business. So I, um, I, I have a, another successful business, my marketing agency. So the money that I earned from that, I, st- I used that to build Fempeak and then um, started raising investment. So, so far it's been, it's been going really well. Um, so one of the questions I had was when you said you didn't want to bootstrap, bootstrap it, the question around funding, right? So for somebody watching this or, or listening to this, thinking, okay, I have an idea, where do I start? So I guess the first question Let's, let, let's come back to the bootstrapping. Let me first go ask you this. The question of building a scalable business versus a non-scalable business, you know, because I think this is such an important thing. And a lot of times people starting a business don't think about it. There are some businesses that are not scalable and usually they, they require less money to start those businesses, but then there's less reward, right? So you are still giving your time for money rather than 
you know, creating a, a team, you know, and, and multiplying yourself in a way. And then there are scalable businesses that are much harder to build. And, and then if you do become successful, it's a little bit like a lot, uh, winning a lottery, you know, in a way, but, or, uh, you know, playing poker or whatever. It is a, it is a big risk, right? You're, you're betting, right? You know, on average, scalable businesses win far less. So if somebody is thinking, I want to start a business, should they build a small business and succeed or have like a higher level of possibility of succeeding or should they? Well, see, I would, I would classify it into two really. I would say there are lifestyle businesses and, and there are corporate businesses, if you like. And there's nothing wrong with either of those two, but you've got to decide which camp you're in. I think the lifestyle businesses are generally people who love what they do. And they can bootstrap it because actually it's all they want to do. And if they're the only person in the business, they sort of don't care. It's, you know, that is what they love. And it can run away and succeed, you know, or it can just tick over and that's absolutely fine. And I think that's the sort of business where you can possibly juggle more um, with your other responsibilities. Um, And you can start off with next to nothing, but it won't be scalable um, unless you're at it for a very, very long time. Um, and that may be absolutely fine. I think if you want to scale a business, you mustn't love it. You mustn't love it because actually you're not in, you know, it's what you are doing is not your business. Being in business is your business. Yes. So it doesn't matter what it is from baking bread to um, being a, you know, finance expert or, or whatever it is. If you want a scalable business, then you are not going to do what you started off doing that you love. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so you've got to understand about how to be in business. And that means you have to have to understand finances. You can't run a business and not know what the balance sheet is or how much money is in the bank or, you know, what cash flow is and blah, blah, blah. So, so you have to every single day know exactly where you are financially. You've got to get all your legal sides sorted. So you've got to make sure your contracts are sorted. You know, if somebody doesn't pay you, where are you legally? All those sorts of things. Because unfortunately, once you start scaling your business, you will be in a court case or two, whether you like it or not. You've got to be really tough about making sure cash is there because you can be incredibly successful. But if you grow too quickly and the cash dries up, you will die. And for me, it's not about being successful at business. It's about being successful at keeping cash in your business. And therefore, you have to chase money. If somebody doesn't pay you, you have to chase them down. You must. Then you've got the HR side. Um, The days when I used to be able to recruit people and and have serious conversations with them about if they weren't performing or whatever. Now you have to be very, very careful Um, if you have somebody in your workforce that is pregnant or is, you know, HR is a serious um, legal issue that you have to deal with. And you have to be great at marketing and business development. And if you put yourself ahead of that, then what is somebody buying? It means they're buying you, which means you'll just keep working and keep working and keep working. What you have to do is build a business that isn't you and isn't reliant on you. And I think the best piece of advice that I was given about starting a business that I was going to sell is that the year before you sell, you must be down to two days a week. Because if you're not down to two days a week, you won't, first of all, have the space to sell the business and all the time that involves. But also, um, it's, you've got to prove it can run without you. So if you are going to do a scalable business, it's not about what you love. It's about being a business person in business. And you can't bootstrap that. I think it's, it's really hard to bootstrap it. 
and because you need all of those things in place. Whereas if you've got a lifestyle business and it's something you just so love, then that's a different matter and it's fine. Yeah. So that's why that's why I talk about bootstrap. You know, you you you've got to have a growth plan where you can fund your way through that because you will hit you will hit some hard times at some point. Yeah, definitely. No, that's really important lessons you mentioned there. The the bit about not loving what you do, you certainly you still love the purpose, right? You have a purpose. I, th I think it's different when we say you you can't love what you do. What you really mean is that, like, say, for example, Steve Jobs built Apple. So he loved engineering, right? He loved, you know, design. So he still loved the product, right? But he was able to distance himself and, and no? Is I that... don't agree with that. I think he was passionate about it. I'm passionate. Very, very, okay. very yeah. passionate. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But the problem with being in love with something is that you don't see it clearly. I mean, that's why we get married or have partners, because actually, thank God, we can't see what they actually look like properly or what they really <laughs> like. And they can't see. You know, if you're in love, there is a there is a degree of blindness in that. And you sometimes can't be as objective as you should be. And being in business is a serious business. And therefore, God, you've got to have passion because that's what's going to see you. Passion, yes. Like yeah, and, and um, you know, all that sort of stuff. And you've got to enjoy it. But if you love it, sometimes I, I've seen people be completely blind to the fact yeah. that their product or service isn't good enough or it's falling behind or it's not priced properly or whatever it be. Because you've got to be in business, you've got to be dispassionate about business decisions, but you've got to be passionate about, about the purpose. Uh, yes, exactly. Exactly yes. right. Because if you're not, it won't transfer to your staff. Exactly. Um, but if you're in love with it, you won't be able to make really critical decisions, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that we made that distinction because, uh, yeah, I definitely experienced that with Fempeak because now I'm essentially uh, multiplying myself by bringing in these Sherpanis, you know, that are going to do part of what I do in different areas, right? And and by doing that, for, uh, it means that I can reach out to more people, but also it's kind of like, exactly like multiplying myself, which which wouldn't have been possible if I wanted to. All you're doing you know, is yeah. drive yourself into the ground. And and so what exactly for me, what you do is you, when you start off, you're doing everything yourself. There was only me and Brady, my manager director, when we started in my conservatory and you know we did everything empty the bins do the you know you, you name it now she didn't have as much experience as me um uh, and you know i've done hr finance you know blah, blah blah all of those things as we started to grow it's like well, what can i get rid of and that must be your first thing what is it that i can take off my plate you know and the first thing was hr because she'd been in recruitment it's like great but now we're going to she can do deal with all that and then gradually as you go forward it's like now i've got somebody who can do the finances and deal with the bank and gradually as you go up it's like what can i get rid of what can i get rid of yes um, uh, uh, and then it's like how can i now extract myself out of the business and and actually uh, my favorite day <laughs> i think i mean is, is we went to we had a client event and we went to the races we went to epsom to watch the horse racing which was brilliant and the team organized it and they said, oh, Sue, will you come along? Yeah, 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 okay, I'll come along. And well, we've invited these clients. Oh, great. 
anyway, so we had a, a box, you know, sort of with the refreshments and stuff, and we were watching the horse racing, which was great fun. And um, and then one one of the clients who'd been invited, they said, "Oh, hi, who are you? And um, which client are you? And la la la." I had no clue who I was, and it was my business. And one of my staff nearly died, and they just said, "Oh my God, it's so embarrassing, it's so embarrassing." And I went, "No, it's utterly brilliant. This person." knows this company and really thinks we're a great company doesn't know anything about me and that's what you should be aiming at if you want to scale up and you want to sell it yeah that's fantastic now um that question of selling uh, so um i had one investor who said who asked me like you know would you be open to selling i said no because i want to make it to a point of going to ipo because i want to build something that's going to um, you know, that, that's my vision, right? And he said that he decided not to invest because he doesn't want to invest in companies where the founder is not open to selling. Um, and that was the first time I heard something like that. Um, I've thought, that's because that person wants some money. They're not interested in your company. They just want to make a profit. Yeah. You don't want that person as an investor. Yeah, I, I just thought it was it was an interesting experience because I hadn't seen that before. Investors and, and business angels and all that. I mean, venture capitalists, blah, blah, blah. You know, great if you need, need that money to grow, but don't, you know, they just want a return on their investment and they want it in a very short time frame. And don't think they're after anything else because they're not. Yeah, 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 definitely. So um, were your family supportive as you, as you were building your business? Um, well... Basically, when I started the business, I started the business with my husband, um, and he he worked a, a little bit in the business, and it went spectacularly wrong. Oh, really? <laughs> spectacularly oh. wrong. Yeah, I don't. I think it's hard, right? It's very hard to work with your partner. I don't think. Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, and also, um, unfortunately, halfway through what we were doing, he died, which which oh, was really difficult. So sorry. Yeah, so it was it was very difficult. Um, uh, but my ch- so I have two daughters. Um, they're something 28, 29 and thirty one, and they've been brought up with a, a mum who goes to work, and and they've been used to that. And they just said it was about time we did something for you and not work for other people. So and they were incredibly um, supportive. That's so, amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. That's so. That's so. Um... Yeah, it's something I've never experienced because I don't, uh, I don't have a family here, but also I'm not very close to my family back home, and um, they don't really understand what I do. So it's they something that... ridiculous, and they give me loads of hassle and go, "Oh God, what are you doing now? What are you doing this time?" But um... it's so important to be to have that sense of purpose and and yeah, like excitement, right? That uh, as especially as we grow older, it's so important to have that because, you know, I, some of my friends that are in their now late 40s, you know, early 50s, they are really having a, a almost like a midlife crisis, I suppose, you know, that of, of purpose. They're like, oh, I'm going to lose my looks and I'm going to do this. And I'm not like, I'm, you yeah, know. You get over the losing looks thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I can vouch for that. I mean, I think I think the the thing is that what what you must remember if you're a mum is that the first thing you are is that you are a role model to your children, whether you think you are or you're not, and that's you know to your son and your daughter or either or, and you know they will see you work hard and get up in the morning and manage things, you know, and you 
will struggle with that so many times, but you will be a massive inspiration to your children. Yeah. You know, any woman entrepreneur will be, even though it doesn't feel like it, even though they might be going through their horrible, difficult teenage years or whatever it is, you know, at the end of the day, and I can say this now, you know, both my daughters have children, so I'm a grandmother, um, you know, you are, an, you will be an inspiration to them later on with, without a doubt, and you will make such a positive impact on their, on their outlook in life. So, you know, try and hold on to that when things are really tough. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Um, so uh, I'm going to be a role model to my cat that I don't have yet. <laughs> going to get a cat. Um, but uh, so did you, um, let me look at my questions here. Well, I think you were talking oh. about the buying process. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. So um, I you know it depends on whether you've got amazing intellectual um, property so if you've got some incredible piece of software it may be that you're not making a profit and you know you can sell it for gazillions but my world is a world where you, it's a normal business world and um, basically the value of the business is without fail about the profit that you make so don't chase turnover that's people won't buy turnover they will buy profit, uh, profit. yeah Absolutely. And then what they're looking at is how can they come in and add value? So most typically people who want to buy you will be thinking, can you treble your performance in three years, four years, whatever it might be? So we've got to a million profit and um, then it might be, well, how can you make, so that's on two and a half million turnover, you've made a million net profit. How can we get to 10 million turnover and what investment will it take? you know, cash in order for us to get to that point, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one type of uh, investor and they may well be doing that because they want to sell it um, or, or, you know, they want to keep growing it. There'll be another type of investor who is not really that interested in what you're doing. They just want you to carry on doing what you're doing. They want you to cash your chips in and actually they want to own it. So they are getting a return on their investment. So it's a bit like putting your money in the bank. They just want to draw an income from it every year. And they want to make sure you're successful and you're efficient. But basically, that's 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 what they're doing. And they'll pretty much leave you alone to do it. And then, of course, um, there's people who may be in your sector who aren't doing the bit that you're doing in this sector. And they will come and buy that, absorb it into their company because they, they want to have a, a much fuller service, if you like, across the piece. There is often cultural issues around that. And what people will be looking at is, are you a good fit? Will, if I absorb you into my team, is it all, is it all going to work okay? And then um, there's some people who just adding this, this new function or they've already got what you do and they're literally just buying more turnover and more profit. So they're already, there might be a competitor, they're already in your sector and they, they want to grow very, very quickly. And of course, you can grow yourself or you can go on the acquisition trail. So there are very different types of investors looking for different things. And I think you've got to decide what feels right for you. I was at the stage in my career where I wanted to sell it and then I wanted to go away. Okay. So, so that means the price of your business is going to be less because most times they will want you to do an earn out of two or three years, sometimes five years. Um, and that earn out, you know, will be, you've got to bring in this sort of profit. You've got to do this. You've got to do that over the next years. And then you'll get, you will never, ever get more than 70% on, on sale. Most times it's 50 or 60. Um, and then there will be, you know, an extra amount 
after year one, after year two, after year three, if you hit these targets. So um, in most cases, um, so in my case, it's like 70% and then 15% and 15% if you do these things. That's quite normal. So you, you, you get your first chunk of money. Um, I didn't want an earn out because effectively I was worried that I would get those other payments uh, because I'm older and couldn't really start again. Um, but also my personal belief is that somebody buys your company and then ties you into doing all these targets, but they're running it. Mm. So how can you be responsible for targets when actually you don't have any influence on them? You can't hire staff. You can't sack staff. They might add loads of cost in, which means you're not reaching the target, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, I haven't met many people where the, where the earn out was, they were happy with it as, as a business owner. So I think what you've got to decide is you've got to be really strong and decide what it is. And I think it's really hard to give up your baby <laughs> and, 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 you know, sort of be still in it, but somebody else is running it how they see fit. So I think you've got to really decide how it is you want to move forward. Um, I didn't want, I wasn't running my business anyway. So it's easy, you know, to go, well, do you want to still run it? Oh, well, I don't run it. Well, everybody does over here, which is a, good thing to do i think that's why you're down to two days a week so you know it's just i now do advisory work but i'm i'm not involved and and that suits me so you've got to before you do these things you've got to work out what it is that you want i think that's that's important definitely amazing so what were your like top three values in business uh, in like for me for example it's uh, i've got them written there so when i'm hiring people this the three things that i think about i want to hire people who are transparent that's my number one you know just tell me everything as it is um speed they need to be fast because i'm i'm very very fast and and you know people need to be able to match that and curiosity and what i mean by that is like really be immersed in everything we do and be curious about you know, finding ways to grow or like, you know, what is it exactly that we're doing, seeing the big pictures? Did you have these kinds of values that you looked for in people when you were hiring? Yeah, so um, we decided that we never wanted to ask for qualifications um, and we didn't want any references either. So what we were interested in is recruiting on attitude and behaviours. And that was, so I mean, that was probably the reason why I set the business up. It's like, I want to prove that you can have this culture and this way of doing things and we can do remarkable things. So if you bear in mind that 22 people were turning in a net profit of a million, that's really quite amazing. And that's because these people are amazing. So what we would do is we would put an advert out, which, which were quite unusual adverts. And we'd say, you know, would you choose this over this? Um, would you make tea for a load of people without tutting? Would you do, you know, so, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to shape somebody thinking, God, yeah, that's the sort of thing I would do. Oh yeah, that's funny. I agree with that. So, so we're getting people to apply who sort of get the culture and we don't care what their background is. Don't You would teach them. Really don't care. Yeah. What you can't teach is somebody to smile on the phone when a client's being really difficult or they genuinely want to help somebody, you know, or they're really inquisitive and they want to know how something works or, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is. So what we spent was a lot of time interviewing people around, what's your favourite film? How do you do this? What do you, if this happened to you, how, what would you do? Ask nothing about the business. The only thing that we really ask 
or we expect at an interview is somebody has spent the time researching you and understands you and can then demonstrate that. That's because the curiosity it bit. <laughs> it means they're interested in what you do. And, you know, they've, they've gone out and researched it. So Sharon, one of our greatest employees, she's never written a CV. She, she's, she's not particularly well educated in, in, a, in a formal sense. And, and, um, but we never asked for a CV either. Because all the time you're asking for those things, you're cutting out a huge swathe of people. I agree. I agree so much. Yeah. Amazing. You know, and just because they weren't fortunate enough to go to a private school or do whatever, doesn't mean to say they're not any good. So she baked a cake. I mean, God, she's just the most amazing baker. So she baked this cake and she piped it all. And then she came into the interview and she said, um, this is why I'm here, because this is what I think of this business. And she explained how you know, the ingredients all mixed together and you've got to have the right team. And if you don't do it at this temperature and you don't do it, there, and then this is how you ice it. And, blah, blah, blah. and we're eating all this cake. It was brilliant. And she'd really, really thought about it. And now she is just the most amazing employee, but she'd never, ever get a job if you put a normal job out of her. She just wouldn't. Um, and so for us, that was critically important. It's about, do you share our passion to make this thing work? And will you tell me, as the boss, as the person who owns a business, if I'm making a real big idiot myself, I need you yeah. to tell me. Yeah. I need you to tell me any great ideas you have without any fear of taking, of being, you know, somebody taking the mickey out of you. And, you know, if it's a great idea, we'll do it tomorrow because we're small and we can. And then if it doesn't work, it's like, oh, we gave that a try. I won't do that again. Um, and it's that fun and passion and belief in vision of what we were doing um that made it happen not me what made it happen is having the processes and the environment to allow really great people to just do what they want and go for it yeah. um, what we wouldn't stand for is anybody being political uh disrespecting their colleagues be you know that's sorry game over you're out yeah um so so it's creating that amazing atmosphere was really important. Yeah, hence the transparency bit, right? Yeah. And it shows just, it works. Just say it, it how it is. Yeah. And what was interesting is because it was pre-COVID, what we did is we had real family-friendly working policies. So, you know, we everybody finished work at lunchtime on a Friday, which meant that some of the guys could go and pick their kids up from school, which they never had done before. Or if they were younger, they could go down the pub, you know, or whatever. Or if they're going away for the weekend, they can get in the car and beat the motorway traffic. Um, and not a single person was allowed to answer. Um, you, you won't agree with this, Somi, I know you won't. Not a single person was allowed to look at their emails after they finish work, and nobody was allowed to look at emails. But on, to be on, honest, on, I, tell on, my team, I tell my team not to. I'm like, uh, like uh, I'm like, don't, um, I'm like, they say, but you do it. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I say, don't do what it is I don't do as I do say do as so they I tell them uh, you know sometimes they message me on a weekend they're like I'm doing this or can you look why are you working now right and for me see that's a disciplinary offense so so I would email somebody if I found out they did that and I would say if you do that again I'm really sorry but it's a disciplinary offense and we will have to do something about it but I work I work 15 hours a day seven yeah. days a week <laughs> But the reason for doing that is that, you know, if you're somebody's boss, then that person underneath will think, 
God, I've got to act like that, otherwise I'm not going to get on. Or, you know, or that is the culture of the place. The culture of our place is you get there, you work really, really, really hard. You always have an hour for lunch and you're not allowed to eat at your desk. You have to get a like a small kitchen area or you go out and then everybody finishes on time. You are not allowed to stay past the time, never. And, you know, it worked. It worked because we never had people off ill um, or sick or away or anything like that. And actually, in the long run, if you were to add it up over a year, they're doing more work. But actually, what's really important is they are making, they are really, really efficient because they know when they work, they've only got a short time to go, get it all done because they're not allowed to do it any other time. Yeah. So, you know, so it, it was all of those sorts of cultures, which I think worked really well. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I mean, I, I, I do explain to the girls that, look, for me, this is my makeup of, I don't mean my makeup, I mean the makeup of my personality, right? I'm a, I have ADHD, right? I'm hyperactive. I have to work. It just, it feeds my brain and, and I need it. I need it. I can be sitting by the pool with my laptop. It's just my personality. I love, love, love working. But but I'm like, but you shouldn't do that. You need to go home. You need to, like, at 5.30, I'm like, guys, aren't you going home? <laughs> you know, like they're, uh, and, and sometimes they do, they're like, can I eat at my desk? I'm like, no, go to the kitchen. <laughs> they're like but you don't do it i'm like um just you just have to accept that and also i'm running two businesses essentially right so i'm still so lola is going to uh be the ceo of my other company and she's coming back from uh she's currently in dominican republic and i'm I'm, uh, i've sponsored her she's coming back so she's going to be the ceo of that company she's been with me for three years but um, once she takes that over, then it will be easier for me to focus on Fanpeak and then I'm, you know, uh, multiplying myself. But I have a feeling that even if I get Fanpeak to a point that I can only work two days a week, I will probably start another business because <laughs> it's just the way I am, right? The thing is, when you when you sell a business, it's so full on about what you have to do. You need three days a week to sell the business. And the problem is if you don't, buy yourself that capacity while you're going through the sale process, which will take you at least six months, but more likely a year, is that if you're responsible for getting business in or whatever, and then all of a sudden you're diverted to two or three days a week selling the business, your business will start to go down, which means the person who buys your business loves it because it means they negotiate the price. So, you know, it is a full time job almost to to go through the buying process of all the things you have to do is due diligence. absolutely ridiculous. Um, And obviously it's quite right to do that. But but, you know, it's not like I'm down to two days a week. It's like I'm down to two days a week in the office. You know, and then I'm spending three days a week actually going and through working on the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, if you don't do that, you're going to really struggle to sell the business and get a decent price. I think. Yeah. So, what's your what's your opinion on um, this concept of work life balance, which doesn't make any sense to me because I I have in my book I have a <laughs> a section called uh, work life blend in in response to work-life balance and and the way I see it is like you know when I say I work I don't necessarily mean that I'm sitting at my computer working even if I'm having a bath I'm listening to you know uh, 
an article on The Economist, right? And But that's work in a way, because even if like I could be listening to philosophy, but that's work for me, because everything is connected to what I do, right? And, and when I say, like when I'm thinking, I may be lying in bed thinking, but that's work, <laughs> you know? That's, that's, that's why I say like I work from, uh, I work about 15 hours a day, six and a half days a week um you know so like uh, the only time i take a break is sunday afternoon from five o'clock till midnight that's that's my only break time other than that i work pretty much all the time but that's like that's why i say about work-life blend because if you think about like all the people that i would admire let's say einstein right it's not like einstein was like okay it's five o'clock i'm going home and i'm not going to think about you know, my theories, right? Like my equations, right? So if he wanted to think like that or think about people like Newton, right? At Edison, you know, like all of those people who really, uh, the inventors, the creators, they were so immersed in what they did. Well, Newton didn't work for eight or nine years. But it's still like, you know, but, but yeah. even when he wasn't working, he was probably working. Thinking about it, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, I think one thing that I will say, um, especially approaching my 60th year and having a husband who died, you know, you know, quite young and everything, is that you have to look after yourself. You know, and it's something that I have learned. You've got to look after yourself because yeah. it, will bite, it will bite you. It, it certainly will. And you, so you must give your, you must give yourself permission too. And I have, it's taken me a long time to learn this, so me as I've got older, but you must give yourself time and allow yourself time and not feel guilty to go, I think I'm just going to put my feet up on the settee. And I might just stare out the window for half hour. Or I'm going to go for a walk, or I'm going to. Oh, I do those things, but then you're like I meditate and things like that, right? Fine, that's fine. But you, you know, it's important to 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 look after yourself, I think. Otherwise, you know, you're going to have some type of health event at some point if if, if you don't. And I also think that you, if you're not, one of the key things of being a leader is being calm. Mm-hmm. Because when something rubbish happens or, or something difficult or something goes completely wrong, that's the time when everybody looks at you. And that is the time when they decide whether they're going to follow you or not. Because they they are judging you, whether whether they're doing it consciously or not, on whether you can take them through difficult times and that you're the person you know, who's inspiring and the person who's giving them the vision. And therefore, you've got to be rested. I'm not suggesting you aren't rested, but you've got to be rested and not stressed because when something awful happens, you have just got to exude calm and very careful decision-making skills, you know. Um, And, you know, it's important to look after yourself and 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 give yourself the time to do that and and not feel guilty about it. I think women are, you know, for some reason we carry a massive guilt around with us all the time and not doing everything right. We're letting people down or whatever. But you know, sometimes just give yourself permission to do to do some things. Yeah, it's okay to go shopping for an afternoon. Spend some money on yourself. Hey, you deserve it. And I mean, I think about work a lot, you know, um, and I read like you do. You know, but that's background and that's enjoyment. It's not sitting down piling through loads of emails or phoning up a client. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's what I mean by working. slightly different, I think. Um, but, you know, watch, watch, my personal advice is watch the number of hours you're working, you, particularly if you are, a, you know, a parent. You need to conserve your energy a bit. Yeah, definitely. That's part work of the reason why I said that. Work as smart as you can. Yeah. If there's something on your desk that somebody else can do, take it off your desk and give it to them. <laughs> That's good advice. 
you know, so the first thing I would do in the morning, I'd look through all the things I've got to do. And the first thing I think in my mind is, who can I give this to? And if there's some things that I can't give, so it's all right, that's my stuff today. But that's the first thing you do. Who can I give that to? Yeah, I'm learning that definitely. I'm I'm <laughs> learning that more and more. And I, I yeah, uh, uh, you know, when I was when I was a kid, I, I told my parents that I wanted to get paid to think, and they were like, you know, nobody's going to pay you to think. But actually, they do now. I I do get paid to think because you know I. I'm a tech philosopher, right? I, I give talks and I write books, right? You know, um, but also I really like actual business, like like I like the game of the business, you know, and and I really enjoy that. But yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think I think the way I say it, it's like I don't like, for example, I haven't watched a single TV series or Netflix or video, or, you know, like a film, a film, movie, anything for nearly coming up to two years now not even one single like i haven't watched any, and i'm like i'm on a bit of an abstinence from these kinds of entertainment because i'm like you know there's just i just have to think i have to prioritize so i go for walks with my you know friends sometimes but the th- funny thing is that all of my friends have invested in uh Fempeak. And uh, most of them have also invested in another company that I've invested in as well. So I have like almost like a work relationship with almost all of my friends. So when I go for walks with them, so I was talking to one of my client and friend this morning and I was like, I'm so sorry I haven't seen you for a while, but look, you you invested in my business. I'm working for you, <laughs> you know, I'm making yeah, to make yeah. sure. <laughs> so they're all gonna understand. Most of my friends wouldn't have a clue what I do. They know nothing about my business at all, nothing. Um, my mum certainly doesn't know, hasn't got a clue. My social life... Um, it's separate. It's completely and utterly separate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mine most, is very much blended. Everything. Yeah, most people that I know wouldn't have a clue what I do. That's fascinating. Very, very interesting to hear these different perspectives, right? I do feel... I do I do believe I look after myself. I've got this ring that uh, measures how well I sleep, <laughs> you know, and... Uh, yeah, I, I haven't been ill. I haven't had even a cold for four years now. So uh, I think I'm uh, fairly healthy, but I could do with a bit more rest, maybe. <laughs> so tell me about, last question, it's been it's been a fascinating conversation and I could talk to you forever, but mm-hmm. I wanted to, to talk to you a little bit about confidence because it seems like, you know, it's coming to our attention more and more as we talk to, uh, women on our, you know, in, in the events. And, and right now we have 28,000 women who have signed up to what we're doing, uh, express interest, and, you know, uh, we are onboarding them to the platform. So it seems like confidence is something that is a big issue because um, you'd, be fa- you'd be fascinated. You know, you know, it's so interesting. There are people that when I look at them, I would consider them a confident, confident person. And then when I ask them, for example, um, lady uh, who was one on one of our panels, actually, you know, she I thought I find her very confident, and I thought that she could do what I'm doing. You know, how I raised money by myself. I just literally went to my. That's why they call it friends and family, right? I went to my friends uh, and said, "Look, I'm building this business. Here's a business plan. Uh, would you like to invest?" And they invested. And I was telling her, so she's building a business. I was telling her, look, it sounds to me like you have the network, you have 
the people around you. Why don't you just go to them and explain to them what you're doing and, and start raising money? And she was like, so me, um, I just don't have the confidence to do what you did, you know? So she's waiting for somebody, one of these companies that would come in and raise you money. And in my case, I was like, no, I'm not going to wait for another company. I'm just going to raise money myself. I have a big network on LinkedIn. I'm just going to go to people and say, hey guys, you know, I'm building this. Do you want to invest? So when some when I think to myself, what is it that gives me that confidence? I, I, you know, I, I consider myself a fairly confident person, and uh, I come from a background where you know nobody spoke English um, when I was where I grew up. My parents had no money, so I had every reason to not be confident. I had ADHD, you know, all that stuff. But somehow I broke that barrier. But I don't know the process. Like if somebody asks me, why do you have confidence? Why are you? you know, able to do these things. I haven't figured out how to break that down. So my question to you is, you know, how did you find the confidence to build a business, uh, you know, in your fifties and successfully exit? And what's, what would you say to other people who are thinking about gaining the confidence to take a, a risk? I think, I think women in general, and it is a generalization, are much less confident than men. And uh, I certainly wasn't very confident. And I had imposter syndrome, which we all have. It's like, well, I'm doing it. Oh, they're going to find out about me. They're going to find out I'm not educated and I come from a poor background. And, and all these things that you, 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 know, you sort of have in the back of your head. And men undoubtedly push ahead of you when you're speaking, cut across you. In my experience, anyhow, they won't listen to you. They, you know, they override you. you know, and that does kick your confidence. And, you know, we, there's loads of studies, too numerous to mention, that, that, that says that men will take more risks and big themselves up when actually they probably haven't got the skills or, or whatever to do it, whereas women do the opposite. So not only is this gap of men exaggerating how good they are, there's also a gap where women are, underplaying how good they are so the gap is huge the gap is huge um and i'm not blaming men for that good for them if they want to be confident when actually you know they're not that brilliant um but what does drive me mad is women not really standing up for themselves when they're good at what they do but there again i never used to either i think that's that's what's happened is as i've got older i just don't care anymore Mm. I don't, do you think confidence comes with age to, to, to some extent? Because as you get older, you just don't, don't care. I just don't care. And the reason why I'm a bit more bullshy now, and I'm saying it like it is, is because I don't have a career. I, you know, I haven't got a family now. They're all grown up. I can do what I want. And, you know, I can say it like I want. I mean, what's going to happen to me? You know, I've now got so much money. I don't really know what to do with it. And, and you know, so you can't get me there either. So, you know, I can say what I want. I can do what I want. And, it, but that has come after 60 years and I wasn't I was I was sort of confident inside me in that I knew I could do things but I wasn't confident enough to tell other people about it because it felt like showing off and in our family like who, who do you think you are don't you blow your own trumpet you know what what are you doing that for and you know it's not your place to do this or do that so so whilst I had I think confidence inside didn't feel that I could express it or challenge mm -hmm. whereas now I can but I do think the workplace has changed and I do think there's a lot more culture around where people understand that 
you need to ask if somebody has opinion and you need to treat people somewhat differently. It's not command and control like it used to be. So I'm hoping that's getting better. And I'm hoping that will give more women just a bit more space to be able to, to, to express themselves and, and challenge. And by, by challenge isn't a bad thing, by the way. Challenge is just questioning and asking and, you know, those sorts of things. Um, so I, I do think the culture is changing a bit on that, which, which is great news. But, you know, women are amazing. I know. Like, women are amazing. Like men, you know, love them and all that. But, you know, women, honestly, all women I know are, are incredible. The things that they do, the way they joke, they're funny. They, they just, I just think they're we're amazing how we're not running the world is not beyond me really but anyway because we because we're dealing with everything else we're the we're the glue that makes everything work yeah you know, and glue is invisible often but as soon as the glue's not there everything falls apart so you know women are amazing you know so just just remember that whatever you're juggling with <laughs> <laughs> i think i think that's an amazing place to end the conversation uh, like i said i could talk to you forever but it's um Yes, I hope people hearing this, uh, you know, just take a look at themselves and think about how amazing they are. You know, I, I remember I had a, one of our uh, our first confidence event with um, Professor Sarah Seeger, and she, uh, you know, we were all having a debrief afterwards, and and I was just I just had a look at the people on on screen. Professor Sarah Seeger, Professor Diana Wash-Basaka, these are all people at Jyoti Bologna, you know, and they all uh, are Shapanis, right? And I'm thinking, I, girl from Tehran, south of Tehran, you know, depth of poverty, nobody spoke English where I grew up. I taught myself English, came to the UK, paid for my own education. Now I'm standing here, these amazing people are coming, you know, they're, they're running the events for a platform that I started, right? Yeah. And, and like, where did that come from, right? Where did that, it, it all come from here, my gut, you know? Like, like the power came from my gut, not from anywhere else, you know? And, and, and then in the evening when I was putting the dishes in the dishwasher, I just thought to myself, I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do. <laughs> I think for me, Somi, the, the point of this podcast really is because of my background and because of your background, absolutely anybody can do what we do. Exactly. You, you know, if we can do it, you can do it. And it is horrible days, but make sure you've got great friends and all those sorts of things. But listen, if Somi and I can do it, so can anybody. Exactly. High five. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Sue. It's been a it's pleasure. Been Thank great you. To you. Amazing. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Sue Nelson and you felt inspired and motivated by her incredible drive and business acumen. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star rating and write a review. You can also find the full video of these conversations on my YouTube channel. Oh, and uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or Clubhouse at Somi Ariane. Finally, if you're not yet a member of the FemPeak platform, head over to fempeak.ai, register and join a community that actively supports women's professional growth.